Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Price. Here with me, as always, Dan Myler and Ryan McDowell. This week, we're going to dive into the NFC and the AFC East using the same lens that we used last week, cash, stash, or future trash, to look at these rookies and the way these teams drafted their offensive skill positions, the one that we care about for Dynasty and fantasy football purposes. So we'll start with the NFC East, Dan. Dallas Cowboys, right off the top. Uh, not an exciting class for what we care about. Uh, pick up some offensive linemen to help uh, help strengthen that for their running game and stuff like that but in terms of skill position players from the draft started off at the fourth round of the 26th pick Tony Pollard a wide receiver running back hybrid kind of player six foot 210 pounds kind of interesting maybe behind Zeke uh, going to be a versatile player for them some some nice straight line speed I guess uh, kind of a one-cut runner what do you think about Pollard there in Dallas? I tried to get into the Tony Pollard thing in the days following the draft because I, just like everybody else, I saw the comments from that coaching staff talking about him uh, being that jack-of-all-trades and that, that Swiss Army knife in Dallas and playing all over the field. But, you know, the more I watched him, the more I looked at him, he looks like a kick returner, a guy that could maybe contribute there. So if your league... Uh, Words points for that. Maybe there is a future for him and, and he'd be a lottery ticket guy late in a draft or as a free agent, a guy to watch. Um, maybe maybe just a guy to develop behind Tavon Austin. I'm, I'm not really that sure exactly where he fits in. It seems like coach speak to me. I'm surprised he was a fourth round pick if he's just a kick returner, but maybe he's a dynamic one. Maybe he'll be, he'll turn out to be worth that pick. Uh, not a guy I'm really interested in in my rookie drafts, though. Yeah, the the more I learn about Pollard, the more I like him. Actually, I, I would definitely put him in that stash category, and I, I've been a little surprised to see him uh, going earlier and earlier in the drafts. I'm uh, I'm taking part in. He's actually sneaking into the end of the end of the third round in some of these drafts, which is is a little surprising. That makes him, I don't know, maybe maybe a little more than a stash, uh, according to some, at least. Yeah, I, I, I think I would, I would call him a stash just because of that versatility we've seen. Uh, Zeke is certainly going to get all he can handle there, but we saw Rod Smith, you know, be pretty successful there um, if that role were to materialize. And you know, I know we signed Randall Cobb as a slot receiver, but you know, maybe there's uh, some fill-in duty from them as kind of a big slot player too for Pollard. So um, Mike Weber, another running back taken in the seventh round with the fourth picks, a guy that was kind of gaining steam a little bit in the pre-draft process, uh, someone whose measurables didn't really match what we saw on. Film so much, uh, never really became a, st- a star, so to speak, at Ohio State, despite that offense around him, uh, Ryan. But uh, so, what do you think about Weber there? I was really excited about Weber. Um, 
like you said, heading into the draft, and and he's another player I was uh, becoming more and more interested in, was kind of moving up my rankings. The landing spot, I don't know. I just go back to the Pollard selection. It really really throws a kink into what I think about Mike Weber. Um, If if they had just drafted Weber and not Pollard at all, I think I would – I'd feel a lot better about him winning that job. They they let Rod Smith go. Uh, and so, I don't know. Weber fits more in that traditional uh, traditional running back role. So, so maybe he's still the favorite to be the uh, the backup to Zeke there. And, and Pollard is going to be used in some different ways, as, as we've talked about. It's certainly a stash, but again, we're talking about deeper leagues here. Yeah, he's a deep league guy for sure. And, you know, I wrote about Mike Weber, I think it was a year last offseason or maybe the year before that even. And I called him a solid Big Ten running back. And that that guy is fun to watch in college. And, and we've seen those guys go through Ohio State and Michigan State and places like that. And, you know, they're, they're fun to watch and they're good players, but they never really develop into anything more than a, you know, a second running back, a fill-in guy, a guy that can be the guy for a week or two when you need him to if there's an injury to your number one guy, but is never going to be the bell cow for an entire season or, or for his career. So I think Weber fits that profile. He's an, he's a nice player, comes from a big program, did some nice things in college, and, and will probably fill in for Zeke from time to time and put some good stuff on film and score some fantasy points. He's the kind of guy, though, I, I feel like you could he's you're going to pick him up the week that Zeke gets hurt or or you're going to have him stashed away. I, I guess that would make him a stash as, as just that handcuff. Um, but I, I don't ever see him being more than that. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think he's going to be that hot pickup of whatever waiver wire – you know, week it is where Zeke misses a game or something like that. Um, you know, at, at the end of a deep, deep rookie auction or something, I don't mind throwing a buck on him as like a, a stash if I have an empty taxi squad spot. But agree with you guys. Uh, go through the AF, UDFAs again real quick. Remember, the the real goal with with these UDFAs is kind of watch what they do in training camp and these offseason workouts, see if they make any buzz and if that buzz continues through the preseason. But the Giants, you guys, uh, if, if, you, if you have one here that you like, uh, feel free to jump in. Otherwise, we'll just move on. But we have Jalen Guyton, wide receiver, North Texas. John Vea Johnson, wide receiver, Toledo. Any of those guys do either anything for you two? Everybody's <laughs> shaking their head no. So we Crickets will move on to the, the yeah the the New York Giants. They do have a couple of interesting UDFA's I think. Um, but we'll we'll start with the top. Uh, maybe I guess if you ask the dynasty community, maybe the most disappointing pick. Uh, of, of the entire NFL draft at 106, the Giants took Daniel Jones, quarterback Duke, 6'5", 221. Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like he's getting universally panned the same way Josh Allen did last year, a little bit different situation. But, you know, if this guy's fallen to the fourth round of rookie drafts, we might be in a very similar situation as we were with Allen last year and him actually, you know, being a worthwhile dynasty asset this time next year, Ryan. Yeah, I totally agree. It seemed like last year we bashed the Bills because they took this player that – uh, nobody seemed to like and now this year the roles are kind of reversed we're bashing the player simply because the team uh, because of the team that took him and I mean yes certainly we all agree that uh, that was that was a poor pick from from a draft capital standpoint I, I don't think anybody else was considering him that early but that doesn't mean that he's not going to get an opportunity or that he can't 
I uh, can't put up some fantasy points when he does. So if we're talking about fourth round of rookie drafts, as you mentioned, which is pretty much where he's going in one quarterback leagues, if we're talking mid-second uh, or even later of super flex leagues, then then absolutely you have to take a shot on him. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, that's a steal. Talking about him in, in late second in a super flex or two quarterback, and that's where he's going. We're we're going through the process of all these rookie auctions as well, many of them with, with Ryan's uh, kitchen sink leagues, and he's cheap. You, you get him for the price of third-round picks sometimes, and that's too cheap for a guy with that kind of draft equity. You can say what you want about the landing spot, but I, I just like you guys mentioned, I keep going back to the lessons we learned, albeit very uh, with not very much um, data collected off of Josh Allen, but but certainly worthwhile and worthy of noting Josh Allen looked pretty good as a rookie. And when he got his chance and we were all bashing him, as you said, Ryan, and although that's going to, that's probably going to continue with Daniel Jones and maybe he gets to sit for a lot longer than Josh Allen did. It certainly appears that way. I'm willing to invest in a quarterback that's picked in the top 10. That is obviously the guy of the future and is going to get a chance, especially in these two quarterback leagues. I don't even think it's, worth mentioning or or worth talking about picking him in in the third round of a one quarterback league because of all the quarterbacks that are out there I'm I'm not I'm not probably going to jump on that bandwagon but in in any league where you're forced to to collect quarterbacks like in these super flex and two quarterback leagues Jones is a bargain definitely agree there easy stash uh especially especially you can get him late like that like like you guys are talking in the fourth round like that um darius slayton wide receiver auburn taken at the fifth uh, the fifth round with a 33rd pick 61190 kind of a long lean receiver with good speed ran 439 at the combine um so offers a little bit different uh, uh than, than the other slot receivers i think that they have there with the giants right now with golden tate and and sterling shepherd maybe is going to compete with Corey coleman perhaps with for, for that deep threat kind of option there with new york dan what do you think about slayton yeah you know i kind of like slayton a little bit i was intrigued and wondering where he'd land and then he, he landed in a team full of full of slot guys Already, and it was just, it's head-scratching. Not that anything else the Giants have done since Gettleman has been in charge hasn't been head-scratching, but it, it's just, where does he fit? And hopefully he finds a role and, you know, learns under these guys maybe. It's not like they have all that much experience in New York with, you know, with the exception of just a couple of guys. So I, there's there's a chance maybe for some playing time down the road. So I, I think he's a stash, but he's that fourth round free agent type guy the guy you keep your eye on and you know at that price tag in a in a big roster league um he's certainly worth keeping an eye on yeah i agree it's really just another confusing pick by the by the giants you look at the guys they already have and they're certainly loaded up on on players who can play inside play in that slot or or closer to the line and then you look at a, a guy like Kelvin Harmon, who they, they passed up, and could, he went, I think, a full round later. He's a guy that could have come in and, and really uh, given them something uh, a little different than what they currently have. So the Slayton pick is, is a little confusing. He's, he is a good special teamer uh, from, from what I've seen. So, you know, maybe that had something to do with the selection, but... Uh, for me, I'm I'm just not bothering with him. 
he he's such a what if. You know, if he lands in the fifth round in Green Bay, who needs a slot guy, we're probably talking about him as a draft pick and a guy we're excited to have on our teams as a developmental guy. But because he lands in New York with with so many other guys just like him, he's he's overlooked, really. A couple of interesting UDFAs here for me for the Giants. Reggie White Jr., wide receiver Monmouth. He uh, at same college that Miles Miles uh, Austin. Miles Austin. That's right. Miles Austin was out of Mon- Monmouth. Uh, uh, Matt Waldman guy. I'm kind of echoing his thoughts there, but uh, he he kind of thinks that he looks like a Marvin Jones kind of player. So interesting. Jonathan Hillman, a back, six foot two, twenty two. Nice size. Nice acceleration. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, you need somebody behind Saquon just in case, and he's probably already a better player than Wayne Gallman, to be honest. Certainly better than Paul Perkins. So I'm excited, a little bit excited about both of these guys. I'm going to be watching them throughout training camp. Uh, any thoughts on those two guys? Hillman's a guy to keep your eye on for sure. I, I had the chance to watch him a few times over the last few years at Rutgers, and I actually didn't – I knew who he was and didn't realize that he was in the draft until he signed after the draft. As a, as a, I, I, know he, I knew he was a junior, figured he was coming back, and he should have gone back to school. But after I, after I looked, he ended up running 4-4-3 at, at his pro day, which – Checks out. He's a quick guy and and looks like a guy that could contribute. I I thought he needed a little bit more development. I guess he went pro because of the depth chart at Rutgers. Um, He's a guy to keep an eye on, especially in deep leagues, for sure. I agree. I was going to say... I was going to say the same thing about Hillman. uh, And I think a lot of that not only has to do with liking him a little bit, but as Matt mentioned, that, that depth chart. You're not... We're not too worried about um, about Perkins or Gallman there, and, and I think Hillman is uh, a, a more maybe more developed or, or better all around running back that he could uh, he, he could do some things that those two can't. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they just moved on from Perkins and kept this guy around. For sure, yeah. We're probably not drafting these guys, but keep them on your on your radar for sure. Um, it only took to the third team in this division, guys, to get to a team we, we're really excited about some players from. But here we are with the Eagles. Miles Sanders, running back, Penn State, 5'11", 2'11", up at the, uh, the end of the second round, 2.21. Uh, we know the deal on this guy, Ryan. Uh, absolutely cash. Oh, 100% right? cash. Uh, for me, as, as we talked about in our post-draft show, he is my RB1 in the class. He... He was pre-draft. He still is, uh, even though he was the second running back drafted. Uh, still really love that draft capital, love the landing spot, not worried about Jordan Howard. Absolute cash. Yeah, he's cash. It's my favorite landing spot of any player uh, in, in the draft. If I could have picked a place for Miles Sanders to end up, it was in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz and that offense and that line and everything. So obvious cash there. And you got to like, too, that they moved up in the first round to get Andre Diller to solidify that left side of the line. Looks like it's going to be kind of the heir apparent to, uh, to Peters once he finally moves on. So you got to like that for his future as well. Uh, another guy we really like, Dan, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, also in the second round, 2.25, 6'2", 225. Uh, another 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 cash receiver for me. You might have to wait, I guess. It might be he might, he might more be, be uh, closer to a stash, like kind of riding that line. You know, he might have to wait until Alshon goes away. But uh, somebody I think might put up some points in 2019. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards 2020 with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Just like you said, I think he's probably a hybrid between the cash and stash. We just got to wait for that, that check to cash with him. He's going to get his opportunity down the road, another depth chart that is full of good players and guys that are expecting to get playing time. He's going to have to work his way up that. And there was even reports that he could start as low as fourth or fifth on the depth chart and maybe even be a guy that's not always active on game day, which would be kind of surprising as a second round pick. Um, A guy I'm excited about typically goes in the late first or even the early to mid second. Um, got, Got my hands on him in one league at the 206, was trying to trade up and trade up to get higher, and he just kept falling to me. So a guy I'm thrilled to get in the second round for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm still close to that cash category for our Sega Whiteside. Uh, and part of that is just honestly not trusting Alshon Jeffrey to stay healthy. And, and all these offseason reports we've heard about uh, the, the Eagles essentially just being done with Nelson Aguilar. So whether whether they actually move on from him, they're able to trade him, or if they if they just release him or what have you, I think Garcega Whiteside can get a chance to contribute this year. And a quarterback with ideal size, you know, 6'4", 222, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern, took, taken in the fifth round with the 29th pick. Uh, bit of a streaky player, but there is obviously some opportunity there with, with Wentz and all of his injuries and Foles moving on to Jacksonville. Again, probably not a guy we're drafting in any, even in six Superflex League, Ryan, but maybe a little bit interesting. Yeah, he, he falls in the trash category for me, probably even in those Superflex Leagues. The depth chart there is is just tough. Obviously, we don't expect him to to overtake Carson Wentz, uh, but even winning the backup job or really even the third job is going to be a challenge, I think, for Thorson. He's not a player I was necessarily impressed with uh, in college at, at Northwestern, and then uh, even since they've drafted him, they've signed uh, they've signed another backup running. Uh, I'm sorry, backup quarterback. So. Uh, he he might be a, a practice squad guy, uh, again, just staying away from him. Ryan, we finally found a guy that we disagree on. Thorson is a guy, guy. Thorson is a guy that I always, yeah, yeah a fifth-round quarterback developmental guy is the guy we disagree on. And uh, I always liked watching him play at Northwestern. He was, he was a fun guy to watch, uh, stood in the pocket really well, delivered the ball, and looks like a professional quarterback throwing the football from the pocket, gets the ball out on time. And I kind of feel like he could be a developmental guy. You know, he consistently got better at Northwestern, um, always looked good when I watched him play, and a guy I was excited to see where he'd land. I think behind Wentz in Philadelphia is a nice spot for him. Maybe he does take the practice squad route, and maybe he doesn't ever develop into anything. I'm not suggesting you'd ever you'd ever put him on a roster at this point, except in the extremely deep leagues. Uh, but a guy I'll be watching throughout his rookie and early in his career to see how he develops. UDFAs, DeAndre Tompkins, wide receiver Penn State, Nico Evans, running back Wyoming. Any, uh, I don't know who Nico Evans there? is, but DeAndre Tompkins is a punt returner. All right. Maybe he can help Miles Sanders out so, somehow, <laughs> some way. Uh, Washington professional football team, Dwayne Haskins at the top quarterback, Ohio State, 6'3", 231 at the, in the first round, 15th overall pick. Kind of seems like, again, riding the line between stash and trash, or sorry, stash and cash. Uh, I think he's probably going to get an opportunity sooner or later. We, we really only have Case Keenum and an injured 
uh, Colt McCoy to really deal with here. I don't think Alex Smith is really going to be in the picture, at least for 2019, or, or, or maybe not ever again, honestly, uh, with any team. Uh, but Haskins, uh, I kind of like him here in the second round of Superflex Leagues, Ryan. Or sorry, mid-first round of Superflex, late second of one-quarterback leagues. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm I'm pretty intrigued by Haskins here. I'm I'm not ready to call him cash only because uh, of the questions I have about that offense in general. I don't think uh, I, I don't think we're necessarily going to get much uh, production from him in the short term. But I I I do think he'll win that job right away uh, and take that from day one. So. Uh, maybe maybe a chance to gain some value, especially in those super flex leagues, as you were talking about. Um, I think it seems like as as the draft drew closer, people were just trashing this guy and, and really went from uh, viewing him as a, a potential top five pick to uh, almost giving up on him before the, the draft even got here. So I think the hate or the, the negativity went a little too far with him. I think the Redskins got a great pick. Yeah, I do too. And actually right away when he was picked, I was like, oh, really? Because I'm, I'm a Haskins guy and didn't love him landing w- in Washington. Uh, but as the draft unfolded a little bit, they added McLaurin and, and Bryce Love and Kelvin Harmon, and they invested multiple picks in the offensive line, which has been a problem in the past. It started to kind of clear things up for me a little bit that they realize they have a problem on the offensive side of the football and and they need playmakers and they need a quarterback and they need a guy guys to protect that quarterback. So I think they kind of hit throughout the entire draft and I'm a little bit excited about what he could do even as a rookie. So, you know, you talk about his ADP in uh, in even single quarterback leagues, that seems like a reasonable price to me. So I would call Haskins, while I'm not ready to call him cash, especially as a rookie, um, he's definitely a guy I want on my rosters. Yeah, and they helped him out, got him a teammate, uh, Terry McLaurin, fellow Ohio State uh, wide receiver in the third round, six foot two oh eight, a sub four four speed guy, a vertical threat that Haskins is certainly familiar with. Dan, hopefully it can help him ease that transition for both of them in the NFL. Yeah, a guy that a lot of people are hoping is a better pro than he was a college player even, and and he was a pretty good college player. So um, Haskins should be excited about that, obviously. Uh, He knows him really, really well, and you know they need weapons on that offense. So as a dynasty owner, we should all be excited about the potential opportunity for Terry McLaurin to get on the field and put up some numbers, even as a rookie. Uh, I I like his ADP, where, where he sits, uh, as far as finding him in rookie drafts, um, seems seems like a like a good price tag, and I'm willing to invest. I think he might be a great example of a cash player because he's potentially the best receiver on the Redskins roster already. Um, he, he's a little bit older. Uh, that relationship with Haskins obviously will help. I know we saw Dwayne Haskins tweet after they drafted McLaurin. Yes, they listened. Uh, so that, that's obviously a good sign. Um, but because of some of these concerns we had about him as a prospect in general, uh, he, he would be a guy I would be looking to flip, you know, after year one or maybe even mid year one, depending on how that goes with the assumption that they're going to continue to hopefully improve that wide receiver core. And, and maybe in 2020, uh, bring in more of a prototypical wide receiver one. 
The thing that's nice to see with McLaurin is that even though he could be seen as the best receiver on that roster, his ADP really doesn't doesn't show that. A lot of times you see him go in the middle of the third round, and that seems uh, seems like a nice price tag for a guy that has that kind of upside. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but I, that does represent uh, a pretty decent jump from uh, from sure. pre-draft where he was – not quite off the radar, but certainly wasn't being uh, given much attention. I think he was, um, I think he was, let's see, yeah. Actually, he was He was around mid-third in in pre-draft ADP as well. I had to check that quickly. So, yeah, Dan, that's that's a good point. His his ADP actually has not changed much at all. So that is, that is a surprise and offers some value. Yeah, stash for me as well. Bryce Love also a stash for me. Fourth fourth round, tenth pick. A running back Stanford had a two thousand yard season in twenty eighteen. Last season suffered through some injuries, tore his ACL. Five nine, two hundred pound back. A kind of a crowded backfield there in Washington with Geis and Peterson and 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 Chris Thompson. But uh, Chris Thompson himself can't stay healthy, so maybe he'll move on at some point. And Love will be able to fill fill that role. Uh, also, Love also one of uh, Graham Barfield's favorite players in, in the yards created metric of his. So. I'm, I'm kind of excited about Bryce Love. I know you're going to have to wait a little bit, but somebody I'm willing to spend that that third-round pick on for sure. Yeah, another cheap guy. Another guy you can throw the dart and, and hope you hit uh, hit a bullseye with. And I I think there's a chance. I'm not a, I'm not a big Bryce Love fan, but because of the landing spot and the injury and everything surrounding him, the price tag isn't that bad. So there's a point in every draft where I start considering love. It's probably a little bit later than maybe you would, Matt. Uh, I think you got him in all of our mocks before and after <laughs> the the NFL draft. So it feels to me like there's always going to be a guy that's a bigger Bryce Love fan in a draft than I am. But that doesn't necessarily mean I don't think he's he's going to make an impact at some point because that it, he has the potential to do that. Yeah, I pretty much agree with Dane here. Not necessarily a huge Bryce Love fan, but at the price um, and, and with the understanding that you probably do have to wait until 2020 to see what you're getting, I think he's he's worth a shot in deep leagues or uh, if certainly if you have a league, if your league has that IR spot, we, we could see Love landing on that or, or maybe it's the pup list for him we'll we'll see how that goes but uh, the pick of love in the fourth round the re-signing of adrian peterson is really just a darius guys conversation and because because guys is a player that we followed throughout his college career and he was a big name in in Devi leagues um and he was he was the presumed 1.02 uh for really that entire offseason last year, uh, I think dynasty owners are counting on Darius Geis as a sure thing, and I'm not sure the Redskins are putting him in that category. So, uh, you know, the, the more time that goes along as as we look at the moves they make, I'm, I'm becoming more and more concerned with Darius Geis. 
Definitely. Um, Brian, I don't know if you have the this, this stats here, but Kelvin Harmon seems like one of the biggest fathers, both in Dynasty and the way we're looking at him, uh, just from an, as an NFL standpoint, all the way down the sixth round, 33 pick, 33rd pick, 6'3", 221. We know the deal with him, too. Another, another one of these big receivers that have a little bit of trouble getting separation, but looks good on film, uh, fell way too far, that ADP. I remember some people were talking about him maybe as the 101 before the age stuff came out. So uh, now it seems like you can get him in the third round of most drafts, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. So he was uh, our first ADP collection, rookie ADP collection of the year was in February, and he was the 1.03. By April, which was our last pre-draft, he fell to eight. Uh, And now he is at, uh, let's see, he's at 2023 overall. So uh, late, late second, as you said, he's regularly going in the third uh probably even his his adp has probably even dropped since we collected that and um yeah another situation kind of like mclaurin uh, a seasoned wide receiver uh, through college could get an immediate uh, chance to produce in that uh in that redskins offense and i guess what he has that mclaurin doesn't is that that name cachet so if he does produce uh not only are you going to be able to sell, but I think you you could potentially sell for a really nice return. Yeah, because of all the hype created around Harmon over the last couple of seasons, and and I I never really got into the the big time hype. I, I like most guys still had him ranked in, as a first round pick, uh, even even a couple or a few weeks before the NFL draft. But that took a major hit. I think the one thing that saved his ADP from absolutely plummeting out of that second round and maybe even out of the third round is that he landed in Washington with, you know, a questionable depth chart and and certainly room to make an impact. So while I'm not uh, overly optimistic that Harmon's going to be a big time player for dynasty owners out there like you, Ryan, if I were to invest in him and I saw any any type of production and, and a spike in his value in dynasty leagues, I'd be looking to sell. Three three stash players, one cash maybe somewhere in there, one hybrid stash and cash player. So not 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 a terrible job by Washington in the draft, at least for oh, I like, purposes. I like Washington's draft for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, UDFAs, Kano Dillon, tight end Oregon, Steven Sims Jr., wide receiver Kansas, TJ Raming, wide receiver Duke. Uh, anything there, you guys? Yeah, TJ Raming. They hit on Jamison Crowder a few years ago. They got, uh, you know, got what they needed out of him and, and let him go. And Roming is a, a similar player. So, uh, as a UDFA, still certainly a long shot, but that's um, that's a hole they have to fill now. So maybe it's him. We'll move on to the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills took uh, one of my one of my heartthrobs in the, before the combine, and somebody who broke my heart after the combine. Devil, Devin Singletary in the third round with the tenth pick, five eight two zero three, undersized runner. Um, you know, drew some light comparisons to the way he runs to Lashawn McCoy. Uh, doesn't you know the receiving profile is a little bit questionable. Obviously, the athletic testing is questionable, but will be an opportunity there probably sooner than later with two old guys in McCoy and Gore in front of him dan 
Yeah, the landing spot is great. And Singletary wasn't a, a target of mine leading up to the draft. But because he landed in Buffalo and there looks to be an opportunity there sooner rather than later, like you said, uh, he, he piques my interest just a little bit. It seems like he's going a little bit higher, another guy that's going a little bit higher than I'm willing to invest in. Um, I have him ranked maybe just a few spots lower than a lot of others, and there seems to be somebody in every draft that's going to get him in front of me. That said, though, because of the opportunity that seems to be you know right around the corner even, um, Singletary is, is a guy that a lot of owners are going to like to have on their roster. It's just probably not going to be me because I'm just not going to pull the trigger fast enough. Yeah, I'm not either, and... I'm not quite as sold as on the landing spot, maybe as you guys are. And they've got Gore and McCoy there currently. We 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 think probably McCoy's getting cut. There there have been rumors of that, uh, but they also signed T.J. Yeldon, uh, who does uh, a lot of the same things that uh, that that Singletary does well. So. I'm not sure the opportunity's coming, uh, certainly in 2019, and, and then we'll see how it goes beyond that. But even in what should have been a rebuilding year, or, or you could even call it a tanking tanking year, the Bills have just uh, just refused to go away quietly. They they make moves that uh, they have made moves that contenders have made, or, or supposed contenders might make, and. They always seem to surprise us with how they play and, and how many wins they get. So I'm not sure they're ready just to, to hand over their backfield to a rookie. Uh, with the, I, I think I'm going to call him a, tr- a stash. I would call him a stash as well. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. No, I think so. I, I think, you know, he's got, a, he's got a tough road to hoe for sure, but there, there could be some opportunity there. It might be some quick opportunity that you're going to have to flip really quickly. Um, probably not the long-term answer. Uh, but also in the third round, 32nd pick, they took Dawson Knox, tight end Ole Miss, uh, uh, 6'4", 254, nice size and speed. Uh, not a whole lot of production, probably because of the wide receivers that they had, had there, honestly, with DK Metcalf, uh, A.J. Brown, and and, uh, and Demarcus Lodge. So uh, it's a high upside guy, I think, and there might be some opportunity there. They did sign Tyler Croft to like a decent-sized contract for, for what he is, but uh, I'm kind of excited about this one, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I am as well. I still think he fits in that stash category. Don't don't think we'll see too much uh, in his rookie season. Uh, they'll they'll most likely stick with Croft as as kind of that reliable veteran. Uh, they they know what they're getting with him. But uh, I agree. I feel like Knox has a pretty high upside, and um, yeah, he could he could end up certainly being a better NFL player than what he was able to produce in college, as you said. Yeah, and what we saw is him go in the third round when there were guys that a lot of dynasty owners and guys who do rankings were still on the board, you know, higher rated guys that were still on the board. So it was a little bit of a surprise, and obviously the Bills see see some potential that wasn't unlocked, I guess, at Ole Miss, and maybe that's because of the other players on the roster, and, and maybe he has a little bit of development to do. Um, he looks like an NFL tight end when, you know, he's a big guy and he can run a little bit. So he seems to fit the mold and, and I'm, I'm excited about his upside, but if we're going to call him a stash, I think we have to give the caveat that it, it's a long-term stash. I, I don't think this looks like a, like a year one or even year two breakout for Dawson Knox. He's, he's a raw guy. 
Yeah, and another another one, uh, maybe not quite as raw as Knox, but definitely not the same ceiling, I don't think. In the seventh round, they took Tommy Sweeney tight in Boston College, 6'5", 251. Kind of a reliable possession receiver guy, but not someone that we're, we're probably going to end up caring about for fantasy unless he becomes one of those you know boring tight end two options that just becomes a reliable receiver, uh, Dan. Yeah, I read an article last offseason about him that the guy doing these rankings of tight ends. We were actually doing the delayed dynasty Devi draft, and I was trying to find a tight end to get, and this guy ranked him as the best tight end in the country going into last year. So I went and watched him, and I said, wow, that, you know, he's, he's an all right player. He's probably pretty good. Somebody sniped him in front of me. So I was upset about it. And then watched him in his senior year, and he didn't really do anything. And so that's a long-winded way of saying he's a seventh-round pick for a reason. Uh, I don't think we should expect a whole lot from Tommy Sweeney. But I have been watching him for at least a year. (laughs) Uh, Good for you, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) No moral victory there. Brian has nothing to add, I assume. No, he's trash. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Brian's so mean, you guys. Listen... You created the categories. <laughs> I did. Uh, a couple of interesting UDFAs for these two, uh, for this team as well. Tyree Jackson, quarterback from Buffalo, almost like a, honestly, like a Josh Allen clone a little bit. Uh, was was more athletic before a knee injury, kind of forced him to become more of a pocket player in, in 2019. Um, but maybe interesting there as a backup to him. And then David Sills, wide receiver, West Virginia as well. Uh, another 6'3", 211 pound guy. Um, you know, kind of a technician, I guess. Uh, but interesting UDFAs, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Both pretty fun players to watch. Uh, Tyree Jackson um, certainly gets the project label. Um, has the has the huge arm mechanics to uh, <laughs> need some work. So uh, he'll fit right in in that Buffalo quarterback room. <laughs> and and David Sills uh, just just a touchdown machine. I think he had uh, he had close to twenty touchdowns each of the past two seasons. I believe that's correct uh, for West Virginia. Really surprised he didn't get drafted. Uh, a player that I was a little bit down on uh, entering the draft compared to others. I know I know he had his fans in the uh, in the dynasty community, but still was certainly surprised to see him not get drafted and. Uh, I mean, we know we know the story with the Bills wide receivers. Even though they've added some guys in free agency, there's there's no locked in number one guy there. So that's to me that gives a player like Sills or really any player with talent uh, at least a chance to make the team and contribute. Yeah, and Sills is the guy for me as well for all those reasons you mentioned. I think he has a. He has a little bit of upside, and, and I was surprised that he didn't get drafted. I really expected him to be drafted, and, you know, I think anybody that watched college football knows who David Sills is and, and what he kind of accomplished while at West Virginia. It seems to me when you watch him that it, it's hard to believe that that won't translate to the NFL game, that there's not at least a role for him. So I think long term, especially considering you get him as a free agent after a rookie draft, I think there's something. If you got room for him, uh, taxi squad, he's, he's an ideal candidate for something like that. Moving on to the Dolphins, this one will be fairly quick. Uh, only one skill position drafted in the seventh round, 20th pick, Miles Gaskin, running back, Washington, 5'9", 205, uh, pass catching back, a lot of work, a huge workload in college, honestly, over his uh, four seasons there with Washington. Uh, not someone I'm super excited about, but maybe a nice backup behind Drake. I don't know where he fits in with Balazs so much, Dan, but uh, I don't know. I think he's probably going to end up as future trash, but maybe borderline stash. 
Yeah, future trash is the way it goes. I wasn't a big fan of Gaskin either coming out and, you know, landing as a seventh round pick. And, you know, really he fits in awfully well in Miami because just a bunch of guys down there and he's just another one of those guys. So somebody's going to get some carries and somebody's going to look good. And Drake has been my guy in the past. I've liked him. He's he's obviously the best running back of that group, at least in my opinion. Um, but man, Gaskin, I, I just, I'm not on board. I, I don't see it. I don't see a role. I, I, it's hard to, for me to envision him being a big contributor for a fantasy team. I, I echo most of what you said there, Dan. I, I didn't really believe in him, yeah, honestly, even as a college player, let alone as an NFL prospect. The one thing that has me a little intrigued is just this new coaching staff. They they have no ties to Drake, no no ties even to Blage, who was drafted last year, and they bring in Gaskin, who they clearly uh, at least like a little bit. So maybe that gets him some time, but you're right. It feels like all three of those guys are – pretty much the same player. None of them, uh, I don't think at least, none of them are, are that true uh, lead running back, and, and that player will probably be brought in in 2020. And uh, with the UDFAs, we have one guy who I'm interested in, Preston Williams, wide receiver, Colorado State. We know the off-the-field issues with him, but there's a black hole at the wide receiver position in Miami, and if he can keep his head on straight, somehow avoid all the temptations of South Beach, Beach 6'4", 211, I think there's really a chance for him to make some noise down there uh, in Miami with uh, Josh Rosen or Brian Fitzpatrick, whoever it is, but I think he could easily be the best wide receiver there already, Brian. I agree, and um, and he he should be a guy that's uh, more than just on our radar. He I think he's worthy of roster spots in, in most leagues. If you have uh, at least 25, uh, 25 roster spots in your league. Uh, as far as I know, Williams just had the one incident, and and we we certainly don't want to to dismiss that uh, this the you know the the severity of that or anything. But uh, as far as I know, he's. Stayed stayed out out of trouble since then. This is a guy. If, if you look at uh, Matt Waldman and and others who don't necessarily factor in um, you, you know off field issues when they're doing their ranks, their their pre draft ranks. Williams was high on those lists. Uh, in fact, he even showed up in the first round of of at least one NFL mock draft that I saw uh, in that pre draft process. We we knew that wasn't going to happen, but that's. That was a mock based on talent. So Preston Williams has that as a former, uh, former four or five star recruit. I know he was a top recruit starting in uh, in Tennessee before he had some had these issues and transferred. Yeah, he he again agree with you. Probably the best uh, talent on that team already. Yeah, and like one of the best quote unquote stashes that we're going to talk about on this episode because th- that's what. That's what we're looking for, and we're talking about third-round ADP, I think. I'm seeing him go in the third round, sometimes even later. So it, it's like he's he's this undiscovered gem or something like this, something that people don't know about, or, or because he went undrafted, people are forgetting about him. I know that that story that came out, and, and I think he pled guilty to it, which, which made things even worse. That is a black eye on any dynasty owners thoughts of Preston Williams. I understand that. Um, and, and we're not going to forget about it, but still he seems like it seems like if he would have been drafted in at all, maybe even, even as a seventh round or a sixth round pick, 
we his ADP would be much higher than what it was because of the talent. So he's a guy I'm advocating putting on your roster uh, with your last pick in a rookie draft. I want him on all my teams for sure. And uh, I'll be trading back into the third round or fourth round of rookie drafts to make sure I get him if I have to. I think there's a couple things that are happening to cause him to fall. And, and I've done four round rookie drafts where he was not selected at all. Uh, I, I think one is the timing with the Tyreek Hill situation and, and the domestic violence issue. Um, knowing that's also in Preston Williams history. And it, it looks like Tyreek Hill might have burned the chiefs, burned fantasy owners and, and certainly committed, um, uh, you know, has issues worse than than either of those. Maybe fantasy owners are just thinking, I'm not going to bother with another guy like that. But the other thing is, I think just the depth of of that third and fourth round. If Dan, I know, I know you watched day three of the draft, um, and like like most of us did, there were so many so many running backs, wide receivers, tight ends coming off the board after a slow first round. Uh, it's it. Picked up a little bit on day two, but really day three is is where we saw the majority of these guys we're talking about as stashes um, being drafted. And there's just so many. There's a handful of tight ends we like. There's there's a dozen running backs and wide receivers we like each. And, and that just pushes all the undrafted free agents down the board. I You know, the counterpoint to, and I agree with you, Ryan, that because of the Tyreek Hill situation and all these other reports that are out there, a lot of people are, are backing away from players that have that in their history. But I think, I think really that is what affected NFL teams. It should affect NFL teams because they're worried about the media backlash and the and the fan backlash of, of using a very valuable draft pick on a player with this history. But we as dynasty owners, there is no fan backlash because we drafted Preston Williams in the third round of a rookie draft. There, there aren't the media isn't after us asking questions. Why do you condone this kind of behavior and why are you giving millions of dollars to guys like this? So we don't have any of that risk. So I really do feel like if Preston Williams, it's obvious that if Preston Williams didn't have this in his history, he would have been drafted and probably would have been drafted high. So we as dynasty owners, because we don't have that, any kind of backlash or or really um, any repercussions for, for signing a guy that has a checkered past, we're foolish to let anything that Tyreek Hill did or, or you know, the lack of value or the lost value that Tyreek Hill has affect a future decision with a guy like Preston Williams. You won't get five minutes on Preston Williams anywhere else, guys. That's what we just did. Five minutes on Preston Williams. So put him on your I team. Hope, hope you enjoyed that. If you listen to that, put him on your team. <laughs> put him on your team. Uh, New England Patriots up next. We're going to run through these ones relatively quickly so we can get our, through our mock. But and Nikhil Harry up at the top, 1.32. Last pick of the first round. Kind of saved the, the draft for, for team draft capital, right? Uh, we know the deal with him. Uh, sometimes he gets a knock on him for separating. I don't really think it's a problem. He's the locked-in 101 for me. Absolute cash in year one. I'm assuming you guys don't disagree. So we'll move on to Damian Harris. Uh, three, third round, 23rd pick. Running back Alabama, 5'10", 216. You know, Sony Michelle. 
well. Ryan has had some injury issues, injured twice in his rookie season. So Damian Harris has proved to be durable. He's kind of the unsung hero from Alabama and uh, could be the same thing in the pros with New England. Yeah, I, I love the pick. Um, I know most people and really probably everybody, myself included, didn't think of, of running back as a need for uh, for New England with Sony Michelle, James White, and, and Rex Burkhead there. But uh, we also know that that's a team that always reloads, always uh, tries to stay one step ahead, and, and they're doing that again here with Harris. I think Harris is better than Sony Michelle, so and, and he's certainly cheaper. So I think he's cash. That's not a hot take either. I I really don't believe so. He's a serious threat to Sony. And you can say what you want about where Sony went in the NFL draft and now where Harris goes, but he seems like a patriot and a guy that Bill Belichick is going to going to want to get on the field and and get touches to. So, uh Sony Michelle owners out there, you got a little bit of time here, but but it's going to happen. Damian Harris is is isn't just going to cut into what Sony Michelle does. He's going to take some stuff away from him drastically. Well, Harris was I believe he was the number 1 running back recruit in his class. Uh, they brought in Najee Harris, who was also the number one running back recruit in his class uh, a year or two later. He kept him on the bench. He kept the RB1 in this class on the bench uh, for pretty much his entire college career. And now he's falling to the end of the second round, and I'm taking him every time. Give me him. Give it, give it to me. He, he yeah. might even be cash. Is he cash then? He's oh, cash, he's cash, man. Cash, he's cash, yes. He's cash. He's going to be off in year one. Uh, all right. Uh, they also took a backup quarterback, Jared Stidham. Dan, you and I like this guy a little bit. Quarterback out of Auburn. Not the best size, 6'2", 218, but you know enough. And I think he's got pretty good accuracy. That showed that he could really lead receivers pretty well. Um, so uh, he's he might not be the heir apparent to Tom Brady, but I kind of I kind of like him. And in the Superflex League, I don't mind taking him in the you know towards the end of the third round. Yeah, but he might be, though. I, I think there's a chance, so he's a stash for me. He's a stash for me as well, and I guess I'm surprised at the the lack of love for Stidham, even in Superflex leagues, uh, because we've we've done this for 10 years with Tom Brady, that we've, we've chased his backups, and it's not just Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's guys like Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett and, and guys who didn't work out, but but they were rostered in dynasty leagues, certainly in super flex leagues. And now Stidham is, is just going under the radar. He was a fourth round pick by the best team in the league. We should pay attention to that. And another maybe heir apparent, Jacoby Myers, UDFA from North Carolina State, uh, maybe to Julian Edelman, a nice tough slot player, uh, really tough at the catch point, physical guy, uh, maybe one of the best uh, um, UDFAs in, in all of the NFL, honestly, Dan. Yeah, if you watched him before the NFL draft or before the UDFAs were announced, you would have said, man, if he ends up at the Patriots, that would be great. He's a guy I want on my team. So I, I think ideal landing spot, even though he was undrafted, and because of that potential, he's a stash. Yeah, totally agree. Everybody wanted uh, Andy Isabella there, guys like that, but um, Jacoby Myers is is a nice um, – you know, nice prize to settle for. Jets, real quick. Trevon Wesco tied in West Virginia, 6'4, 267, drafted in the fourth round, 19th pick. Another Matt Waldman guy. He, he has the hot take of saying that he thinks he's probably already better, or at least is going to push uh, standout Chris Herndon from last year. Uh, I, I had not seen that. I, I really like Chris Herndon. Uh, I, I like Wesco too, and, and I think we have to pay attention to fourth round draft capital. 
I, th I think that's pretty important. So maybe in a tight end premium league, Wesco is a stash. Uh, in in standard leagues, I'm probably just leaving him on the on the waiver wire. Yeah, he's a he's a guy to keep on on the on your mind, I guess. Keep keep an eye on him. But I'm I'm also a believer in the guy that's already there and the guy that had the draft capital a year ago. I'll I'll take Herndon over the rookie that we most of us don't know much about. And another interesting UDFA, Greg Dortch, wide receiver, Wake Forest. So someone, uh, you know, a lot of people liked him in the pre-draft process too, went undrafted, uh, a slot player, you know, they, they, it might, there might be a role for him there, a little bit undersized, uh, not the biggest guy, but fast as all get out. So a little bit interesting there for me, Dan. Yeah, he was a guy that I liked for sure. I was disappointed that he didn't go get drafted. The I guess the silver lining is that he landed with the Jets and they're in need of some playmakers on the outside and Dorch might have the potential to, to fill one of those needs. So a guy that I'm not certainly not willing to call cash and, and it, it is, is a stash at best, but a guy in deep leagues worth rostering. I'd probably go the other way on him, just just not sold. You're, oh, I thought you were going to go cash. No. no when I'm you went the other way. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm not going to say he's trash, but yeah, he's trash. You know, Matt, it could have been cash, stash, or pass instead of calling these guys outright <laughs> trash. <laughs> I know it doesn't rise. Nicer, Matt. It would have been nicer. <laughs> I, I just like to make Brian sound really mean. It's just fun. <laughs> well, you accomplished that goal. <laughs> He's trash. Uh, all right, so this, this, these two divisions, guys, not nearly the, the wealth of re receiving options and, and rookie options in general as our last week's episode with the, the Western divisions. But some guys here, we are going to do a quick rapid-fire uh, mock draft here again, 12 picks from both of these conferences. It was a struggle to get to 12 for me, so we'll lead off with Dan at the 101. Uh, I think it's a pretty easy one. I'm going to take and kill Harry. Uh, obvious 101 for me in any league, including this mock. Agreed. An obvious 102 in this mock, Miles Sanders. It makes me very happy to take him from Ryan at the 102. Yeah, this is, this is not fair. Uh, Harry and Sanders are actually my 1-2 uh, when it comes to all rookies, not just these two divisions. So uh, good to see them falling there. Uh, I, I'll take J.J. Arcega-Whiteside at three, and I think we're looking at a little bit of a drop-off after that. Yeah, a little bit of a drop-off, but Damian Harris is a guy I'm excited to have in my t on my team. Arcega-Whiteside is a fringe first, second rounder. Um, Damian Harris typically falling a little bit farther than that. I'm happy to get him in those. So while there is a drop, Harris seems like the, the next best guy to me. Easily the next best guy. So almost kind of a mini little mini to you there. I think this is where things get interesting, and I bet we're going to have a bunch of different rankings here. I'm going to take him since I've taken him in every other single mock. I'll take Bryce Love here at 105. Oh, holy cow. Didn't see that coming. I'm glad. <laughs> Whoa. These these are moments in in rookie drafts where you just you know you say some prayers you, you feel like you've been doing right. the things right like you've been living right thank the I'll dynasty take Devin gods Singletary. <laughs> I don't even like Devin Singletary but he should not go after Bryce Love come on Matt no and he broke my heart I can't that was a shocking pick oh my gosh this this thing doesn't matter a bit I should not be shocked with anything but I wow I didn't see that coming I. I'm going to go with Dwayne Haskins then. I'll, I'll take Haskins because I think he's the next best player. I, I thought there was a tear break there too. Uh, so I'll go with Haskins even though I, I don't necessarily like taking quarterbacks uh, in, in rookie drafts, especially in one quarterback. 
And that's back to me at the 108. So it seems pretty easy here for me to take Terry McLaurin. Uh, debated one other guy, but for the draft capital, I'll go ahead and take, make him the eighth pick of, the, 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 of this exercise. Yeah, McLaurin is who I would have taken there. Uh, I think now I will take his teammate, Kelvin Harmon, at the nine pick. Ooh, and then we hit another tier break. Uh, I considered McLaurin when I took Haskins, was definitely going to take Harmon. Uh, if he slid to me here at 10, this is my last pick. So um, the highest rated guy that I have left is not the guy I'm going to take for this exercise. I'm going to take Jacoby Myers just because we talked about him so much. And I actually had him at 11, but I'll take him at 10 here. Yeah, it gets even more disgusting. Uh, I'm going to go with draft capital again. I'll take Daniel Jones, quarterback, New York Giants, 1.11. All right, there's a a few guys I like here that we talked about. Um, I think I'm going to go with Preston Williams. Dan, you talked me into him. Well, that um, he's the guy I actually had rated ahead of Jacoby Myers, so I probably should have gone with Williams, but I'll have to change my ranking. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to as well. Preston Williams is uh, is is a guy worth taking a shot on, especially if he's falling like he is in, in my drafts that I mentioned. Well, that's going to do it, guys, for the NFC and AFC East. Next week we'll be back and we'll do the South. We'll save the North for last. You know Dan and I are are Packers fans, so we'll probably spend more time on that draft class. Uh, So we'll wrap it up this week for the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Dan, for Ryan, and for myself, Matt, we'll catch you guys next week on the DLF Dynasty podcast. What is so funny, Dan? I think you what said we'll wrap it up. I, I, you I Elmer funded that again. That's two I, I in one a, podcast. I had a real problem with W's and R's this week. I don't know what the problem is. Holy God. We'll wrap it up. Well done, Elmer.